Well, Mr. Anderson, I think this uh, episode is aptly named because it doesn't <laughs> say dog kind, does it? Or cat it kind. Sh- it sure doesn't. We come first. Dominion over the animals, everyone. That's it. Sorry. Tough luck having four legs in this world. Wow. Yikes. Yikes, man. Hey, what an episode of the pet apocalypse. God. It's, oh, it's brutal. It's funny, man. I, you know, I, of course, I, had, I knew what was going to happen in this episode before sitting down to watch it. Because the entire internet was weeping about it for weeks and hours. Well, they were just talking about it. It's just such a, it's, uh, it's funny. I didn't know what to expect going into it. And um, obviously it's, it's pretty brutal, but I mean, it's, it's not horrible. Like it's horrible <laughs> for real, like that it happened. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. True. But, but it's not, you know, it's not like old yeller or the guy doesn't shoot his own dog. You know what I mean? Nah, like that's true. It, it, it is obviously it's very emotional. It, I and I was like, "Ooh, this is this is rough, rough on so many levels." Not not, oh, yeah. but but I was also very sort of pleased in a way. Um, I was I was kind of happy on on the one hand in the way that it was kind of handled by the guy in charge there. Um, you know, the yeah, idea of the suffering I think was very important. I, I like that. That's that's really cool. But right. you know, in general, there's it's sad all around. It's sad for these guys. It's the guys that have to do it. They clearly don't seem to want to do it. Of course, um, not. they have compassion. They're not sociopaths who get off on it. And um, it's funny, you know. There's there's kind of three main things going on in this episode. You got the core plot, which is not meant as a double entendre, although it seems to be. Now that I'm saying it out loud, <laughs> <laughs> then you have sort of this soldier liquidator plot. And then you have the Kamiak plot, right? That's sort of like yeah. your three main stories we're telling this week, um, and they're all they're all pretty awesome. The, it's funny the, the I found the Kamiak one pretty quiet this week, right up until I guess the end when she meets up with the um, with Sherbina and Legasov, yeah, Legasov. But um, but the the two main interests to me this week were, were the core plot and of course the the liquidator plot. And, and I was wondering how they're just going to go about doing it. On the one hand, you have basically plot information coming at you. And then on the other hand, you you have, here's more terrible, bad things that happen. And it's funny, while I was watching this, one thing I started to think to myself, Matthew, was how you're starting to almost run out of how you would continually make this something that people would want to continue watching. And I don't even mean that because of the terrible shit with the people's pets, but just because it's like, okay, there's an investigation. We've seen the sacrifice and the horrific things that happen, but how many episodes can you do that? So I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm almost getting the impression like, okay, like I'm ready now for a conclusion. Does that make sense? Like I've really enjoyed the Chernobyl experience. I really like the show. It's been awesome. This was a great episode. I'm sure the fifth one's going to be great too. But I'm kind of going, all right, I think we've kind of seen it all at this point in terms of what we need to see to tell the story and now the investigation. And and I'm guessing what we're going to see next week is a lot of the aftermath of the decisions from the committees and the politicians and the bureau, not the bureau, but the, uh, the party as it were, you, you, you wouldn't say let's do two, let's do, let's have the finale. Not yet. Let's do two more episodes. And then the finale of horrible shit happening. 
Right. You get yeah. to a point where it's like, okay, like you, we do want to see this stuff. It, it is important to see what happened. And I'm sure the Chernobyl thing that happened in real life in 1986, could, you could have done 10 episodes on it if you really wanted to, right? But, but then it's like, okay, are we just beating people over the head with it? Does it get to that point? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think, I mean, that's a good point. And I think <clears throat> this episode, I think it's smart that we're this series this mini series ends at five episodes and this feels like the lead up to that um and even not just in the the storyline of them starting to understand what went wrong with the core the kind of you know hidden state secret that's been buried and we're starting to come to light what really caused this like that's obviously leading up to the exposure of truth in the final episode sure. that's been set up from the from the first but the entire plot line with Pavel and these guys being the liquidators going out and doing this horrible job of having to kill all the animals for this gigantic exclusion area. I think what's important about that is the thing I kept thinking about watching this was this is the shit you normally don't see when it comes to a a disaster movie or a big, you know, nationwide catastrophe or whatever. A lot of times we get so focused that, you know, I I feel like your standard disaster movie plot has a scientist character. It has a doctor or medical person character. It has a soldier character. And then probably an even like upper brass general or advisor character. And it's all, when you think about it, even the, the only person who's really on the ground is the soldier character and the medical character. And we get a, we kind of get those almost at this point, cliche glimpses of, Oh, this situation's really bad. A lot of people are hurt because we see our medical character in a hospital and it's like full of a bunch of people screaming and you're like, Oh wow, it's really bad. Lots of people are hurt. And that's kind of really it though. You don't really see much outside of that setting. And that's really supposed to be the only thing to kind of telegraph to you, the viewer that see lots of average citizens are being hurt by this. It's really bad. It's a great this point. Is such this is such a different take on that because this is not like in the coming weeks after the disaster. This is months and months later, and they are still conscripting hundreds of thousands of young men to go into an irradiated zone and do what, kind of like what they set up in the last episode where they're talking about this is going to be a long war. We're, we're, we have to almost think of this, the, the irradiation, the exposure that's out there like an enemy that we have to combat on multiple fronts. And it's still going to take tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people putting themselves in, at, in jeopardy by being there to handle all these different aspects of this. Like this is something I never... For one, I, I think there's two interesting things about focusing on the liquidators and them having to kill all these animals and these pets even. For one, you don't very often get a look at how animals are affected by these kinds of disasters. I mean, their lives are just as much thrown into chaos as ours, and they're just as much victims of all of this. Uh, and now, it's kind of interesting. Outside of sort of, a, uh, you know, a, a science fiction, they're, they're mutated monsters hunting down the soldiers at night with now camouflage <laughs> right. abilities, right? <laughs> because of the radiation. Or like, <laughs> or like one main character's trusty dog who has like a, only three legs. Ah, they suffer too. Like, no, like really in like a wide scale of like, yeah, Yes, they're, the whole population of animals are also suffering. And to, to take into account their lives and their pain is like is interesting. We don't see that very often. We do sure. focus on the human lives, which, you know, I'm still somebody who kind of put, pushes against people's reaction of like, I don't care about human beings. I care more about the dogs. I'm like, fuck off. Like, I care more about the people at the end of the day. But I think that it is definitely worth remembering and remembering the, the sorrow that animals feel. Um, and that's cool that we we get this focus on what that was like. But I think the depiction of showing these guys, this three-man crew, I'm sure which was one of many out there doing the same thing, that they're basically 
their whole lives have been disrupted to do this work. Like this is months and months. This is, I think at this point, seven, eight months after the disaster and they're still out there in this zone, probably still soaking up an, an unhealthy amount of radiation themselves and doing horrible traumatic work that you're never going to stop thinking about. And it, like just that granular level, thousands of people on the ground still having, still having to mop up the, the problems of this one disaster from this one place. Um, I think this was a very interesting ground level view of that, that uh, a lot of a lot of shows about disasters, I feel like don't get into. Yeah, boy, a lot there. So let me see if I can tackle some of that because I find it very interesting. Uh, the first thing I'll say is that when it comes to a disaster film, disaster films are not really interested in the human story. They're, they're, they're spectacle in the theater, right? Right. They're, look, it's a tornado in New York City. Isn't that awesome? Right, <laughs> kind it, of, yeah. It, it Look is how awesome. Tears these building apart, isn't that badass? A fucking a su- like a tidal wave smashing into the Sears towers is, is 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 amazing. Like what? That's that's science fiction spectacle. It's not. It's not trying to tell a story about human beings at all. It's trying to tell a story about uh, imagine if. Right. It's always a what if with with totally. with that with that stuff. And in this, it's here's what happened. Isn't this crazy? And the focus is really on the human story. And the and it and it's and it's in the focus on a human story we can all wrap our heads around, right? Mm-hmm. It's much more cinematic to show us what Pavel has to do than it is to show us what the guys who who are overturning the topsoil have to do. That's right. just the reality. Right. It doesn't right those those guys had to do really hard and dangerous work where they got irradiated too. But it doesn't really it's not really cinematic to watch guys in excavators. That's just not what we want to do. Fair. So, so we're going to focus on the guys who are uh, forced to go in there and exterminate these pets, and that's uh, that's brutal. That's that's fucking brutal. What a what a horrible thing to do, right? It's not. Yeah. And pets aside, to just waste something out in the woods and leave it, it's just there is some. That's kind of an affront against nature, as far as I can see. You know, it's just uh, there's something there's something shitty about it. And uh, you know, when I was a kid and I got my first twenty two and I did it. I never stopped thinking about it. You know, it's like shot a bird or I shot a rabbit once. And I was like, and then I I went home and I was like, I I shot a rabbit. I was so proud that I hit it thinking that originally. And my dad's like, what are you doing? And my dad's a hunter. And Mm -hmm. I go, I I was just shooting the 22. And he's like, and after he said it and I thought about it, I fucking couldn't stop thinking about it. It was crazy. It's really weird, man. And I was just a kid, you know, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a fucking monster, but I'm also saying like, I didn't understand, you know, you, you don't understand that until you sort of experience that. And, um, and, you know, hunting's a much different thing. There's a, you know, you, it's the, 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 the one mercy I, I just thought of in this whole thing is me thinking about this logistically, which is the Soviets typically use a higher caliber weapon. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a good thing because hopefully you are, <laughs> you're killing these things in one shot. Obviously a cat's tiny and one shot's going to blow it away. I mean, but you're like, God, a fucking German shepherd, you, don't not hit it right. You know, that's, that's always the fear too. Like that's always a fear hunters have. They don't want to send something running. They want to drop it in one shot. They want it to, 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 to drop immediately. And it's just, ugh, God, you, you start thinking of that. Like that's the stuff people don't think about. And that's one of the things I liked about this episode and something you're talking about, which is the human story. People don't think about the idea of, of shooting an animal. Like that is a really, uh, we're really disconnected from, from that. You know, I, I consume animals. I do. Um, I don't eat as much red meat as I used to. I've, I've, 
I've, I've tried to in my, in my age sort of lay off of mammals a little bit. I think there's uh, I think there's something there. I think there's a consciousness there that it's starting to sort of tweak me a little bit. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh yeah, man, I don't know. I like in a hundred years, are we going to be like, we were fucking monsters. Like, you know, I wonder, <laughs> right. I wonder about that. And, and that's not to say I, 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 I'm concerned because of the guilt. I'm just thinking about it from my own sort of sense of, I guess, compassion. You know, there, there is that part of it. And, um, you know, there's, there's that, that's just something I think about, but outside of all that bullshit aside, cause that's not what this is really about is just the idea of what you don't ever think about unless you've ever been hunting or anything like that, or ever been in a position that these guys found themselves in, in, in the fucking woods of outside of Pripyat is this idea of, okay, don't let it suffer. So now you're thinking, not only do you got to shoot the thing, but if, if you don't, if you don't have any experience with that, you might be thinking, oh, it's going to be a movie. I'm going to shoot. It's going to be dead. Maybe not. Right. Maybe, maybe, not. maybe it jumps and, and you hit it in a bad spot and it runs off and it's fucking guts are everywhere and it's bleeding and yowling. Like now you got to deal with that, dude. I mean, <sighs> that is fucking brutal, brutal. You know, people have no idea. Um, I, I, I know my, I know my dad probably wouldn't, wouldn't mind me telling the story. It's a crazy fucking story. But, um, my dad was on a job site once, you know, my dad is now retired, a hunter. And, um, he was working, building a house for a client and uh, my brother-in-law was on this job and I, I wasn't there. I, I, I had, I had gotten out of that line of work some time ago, although I did go back and work with him that summer because that's when he was telling me the story. But, um, they were out, they're out there working early, you know, it was six forty-five, seven o'clock in the morning. They started, they heard this horrible fucking noise out in this field and out where we live in Massachusetts is wood, stone walls, all that shit's all over the place. And, um, they went out there and they saw a fawn guts out, just screaming, a a small deer. Holy fuck, man. And, uh, my dad jogged back to the job site, got a fucking hammer and smashed it in the head and killed it in one shot. My brother-in-law said, because it was the most brutal. My, my brother-in-law who's hunted is like, I've never seen anything like it. It was fucking horrible. I, apparently a coyote had gotten after it. And That's something, it sounds like another animal. Something spooked it, yeah. it and it took off. And um, it was just, they, they heard it. They were like, what is that fucking horrible noise? And they went out there. And I'm like, dude, that, that kind of shit, man, that kind of mercy kill, that is some intense shit that you don't ever want to have to see or be privy to. And, um, you know, you think about that, like, obviously there, there is, you know, there, there, there is a weird visceral reaction when we see human death in film versus animal death in film. And I get it, you know, team people, I understand that. But also at the same time, I think there's this idea like that, like the animal lacks cruelty. So there's this, and it doesn't understand. So there's this compassion you have for that. There's this poor thing doesn't get it and it doesn't, it doesn't harbor cruelty. It doesn't, it didn't make the nuclear reactor enough to fucking have to come out here and all you guys to waste us. <laughs> like it, it, I was thinking about this. I'm like, yeah, the impact of the animals is bad. Obviously the radiation is terrible, but as it goes, they're going to adjust way faster than people are until they die from the radiation. They're going to fucking hunt. They're going to, you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're animals. They're going to figure it out way faster than we are. And, um, but it just made me think like, that's the stuff you don't see, you know, movies are very for, smartly because I don't think it's really necessary to show that kind of brutality um, when it comes yeah, to most animals. Of we we kind of get the point, you know, like we, we get the point. We don't need to see, you know, the one point where he shoots the dog and 
it's not dead. And he's like, he kind of freezes. It's almost like he panics. Like he doesn't know what to do. Right. Because right. <laughs> you start thinking if I shoot it again, is it going to be worse than it is right now? Right. But but it is. It's it's this horrible feeling where he's thinking, I wish you would just die because that's mm-hmm. peace for him and peace for it. And uh, it's really a fucked up thing, but it's, that's, um, it's weird, man. It's a weird, uh, nature is a, is a strange thing. And it's, uh, it's a really intense story that they told this week. And it's, it's makes you think about a lot of things, man. Dude, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how obviously the, the, the liquidators, the, the pet hunters, dog squad gets a lot more focused than uh, than anything else. Right, but you do get these glimpses of the the excavators turning over the soil, having you know these guys walking through fields, taking radiation, you know, measurings of everything. Brutal, and and I think with the the animals too, that it all plays into just how far reaching into the environment and into the earth this has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a, an excellent way of, of showing it because yes. you know, like, like you were saying earlier, I think you're exactly right like it is not a narratively useful or particularly cinematic thing to show us the guys flipping dirt all day that's right. just as crucial that they did that probably oh, yeah. in a lot of ways maybe even more so um most likely it's, uh, it's to be a, honest with a, you yeah yeah and and i think there's just a, a more narrative connection that we have to animals because they we understand their suffering they're a lot closer to us than the trees and the soil right because um, we and, have a because we 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 <laughs> this is this is this is the thing you know when you when you when you look at an animal and a pet and something that you have bonded with there's eyeballs and a nose and a mouth and a tongue and lungs and you go you, you start when you start thinking that way you go what the fuck man like yeah. it's not it, how far off is it <laughs> right it's a biological thing <laughs> not it has a lot very. of the same shit we do and you know you start thinking about that stuff and that's why it's uh it really you know, like you said, and, and plus we've bonded with them, right? It's a, it's a little bit different than if it was, uh, if it was perhaps something that we had bonded with a little bit less. If it was a wild boar running around, it's still like, God, what a fucking waste. But you probably don't feel the same visceral response you do, <laughs> despite the uh, intelligent <laughs> so shooting nature. Shooting Fido in the face. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely exactly. not. Exactly. Puppies and fucking kittens and God, shit. Jesus. What the fuck, dude? So fucking <laughs> it's horrible. So weird. Anyway, um, we might as well. So I don't know. I don't know if you are capable of doing this or, or even want to. But I figure since we're on this soldier liquidators plot, why don't we talk about that and, and kind of just do that because it's very separate. And then we can just kind of run through the core plot because it because it wraps with the with the stuff with Kamiak. Do you want to do that? Want to just keep yeah. Just mining this we're... soldier liquidator thing while we're on it. Why bury the lead? We're gonna get right, right to the animal killing and get past it. Get over we're on it. the dog hunting episode. We're my, we're here. All right, everybody. All right, internet. It's funny. Let's man. Get in it. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor fucking Pavel. That was you know I was right. listening again to a uh, what's that? No, I said I said yes, absolutely, Pavel. Pavel, young dude, not a soldier uh, at all. Um, and that was an interesting uh, fact from Craig Mazin's podcast. We was talking about most of these dudes. I mean, you know, obviously, I think his name's Bacho. Uh, the other dude, the Armenian guy, they're soldiers. And there's a lot of soldiers who are initially involved in this. But after a certain point, a lot of these are just conscripted, basically drafted, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old guys who are not in the military before this. And they're just, we need bodies. We need hands we can put guns in. We just got to get the job done. We need more and more and more. Um, so that's one of the things I feel most bad for him as well. Like he has no 
experience with this, no way to like adjust to it. And I, I love how Botcha like, pretty much spots that right away when, when Pavel, you know, is oh, yeah. deployed into this, you know, area into the exclusion zone. He gets his uniform and he's sent to his tent. And Botcha's like, Well, what unit were you in? And he's like, Oh, well, they had me stationed over here and they put me on the bus. He's like, Not this bullshit. Like in Afghanistan, <laughs> like a real fucking war. And he's like, Oh, I'm not a soldier. And he's just like, Oh, fuck, they're running out of men. Like, <laughs> this is this is what we got. I got a, like a 18 year old boy here who's probably never even held a rifle. Yeah. yeah I mean, Russo-Afghan war, man. What a funny thing. Dude, that was their Vietnam, man. That was a fucking mess. Yeah. We, <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome, Afghanist- Afghans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we came in and fixed it. <laughs> no, no. Fine my now. point, my point is, is we were like, here's how you kill them. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, don't worry, because we're going to use that when we come back to try to kill you later. It's like, what the fuck? The world's so stupid, man. It's so dumb. So dumb. Mujahideen. (laughs) I love going back and seeing like the Time Magazine articles like, freedom fighters. And then like 15 years later, they're like, terrorists. (laughs) So crazy. Dude, Rambo 3, man. Yeah. Fucking Rambo was on a horse. With, uh, with me, a, and Os- me and Osama are going to get it done. <laughs> There's only one prescription for Russo's invading an Afghan freedom fighter's death. <laughs> death. <laughs> That's it. Yippee. <laughs> Yippee. The, the world's awesome. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? I love, I love politics. It's awesome. Hooray. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Proxy wars. Hooray. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> so many people died in that shit too. Like almost oh, a million. That's so, oh, brutal. It's insane. Right? I'm pretty sure that the was it or am I overestimating that? I, I don't know. I'm probably overestimating that. I know it was a, over a decade war, I'm pretty sure. Something early, at least close to it. It was a long one. Long and brutal. Yeah. But about, that, about a hundred thousand <laughs> Mujahideen and about twenty thousand. Um, I don't know. Uh, a lot. Way less lot. than I thought though. A lot. Over 100,000. A whole lot. All, all said and done. So, yeah, lovely. Yikes. Oof. I remember that very clearly. And I remember fucking, like, I'm like, whoa, this, these people are trying to hurt these people in the desert. That's so crazy. These evil Russians. I remember thinking that, man. <laughs> I was a fucking kid. Oh, That's baby. It. It's everywhere. Yeah. Well, so we know that, uh, in other words, what, we're, what we do know is that uh, Baccio has been in the shit him and his, him and, <laughs> dude, him and his buddy dude, Garo, the Armenian. These guys have been saturated. They have so long ago embraced the suck. Like they don't even know what the world is like without it. They are soaked in it. <laughs> oh, I love it though. Bacho is just not fucking around. And you got to imagine him. And this is one thing I know. <laughs> I know it sounds bad to say, but I kept thinking about like, wow, for Bacho and his Armenian friend. This is like a fucking vacation. Or like, we're going to go out and hunt down dogs instead of be shot at by Mujahideen? Sounds like a fucking breeze. Not too bad. I mean, this sucks and this is terrible, but boy, it's a hell of a lot easier than getting shot at. Yeah, exactly. But um, I love this. I like him. uh, I like like all this stuff. First of all, the illusion of safety from that thing over your balls. Oh, man. That's so cute. (laughs) That you guys are adorable. Number one, the rash and possible fungal infection you're going to get from that is amazing. The chafing alone is going to be a a major problem. Right? And it's lead. That's the thing. It's a fucking piece of lead. Heavy. Tucked onto your balls. Like, ah, I don't know if that's better, man. It might actually be worse. 
Yep. Remember one of these episodes that we covered, uh, I went back and listened to it and I was like, well, how dumb are we? Because we were like, oh, what's the radiation? Lead, dummies. <laughs> I thought about it afterwards because like lead jackets, all that shit, you know, like dental x-rays or, or oh, Superman yeah. with his... By the way, does everyone have cancer? Every one of Superman's <laughs> friends have cancer. When he looks I at guess. x-ray vision, x-rays, oh, man... Dude. Right? Yeah, when like he just blasts a, a into con- your chest to look at your beating heart. That's not a burst. That's a beam. <laughs> Lois Lane oh, your- has ovarian cancer. No question. Because he's always <laughs> yeah. looking at her with her clothes off with his x-ray vision. Fucking. <laughs> God damn it, Superman. You pervert. You gave me cancer. <laughs> he's giving everyone cancer. It's ridiculous. Well, luckily these boys uh, have let over their balls. So we know that a uh, sneaky Superman couldn't you know, sneak a peek at their junk if you wanted to. <laughs> hmm, can't see any Soviet junk anymore. This, <laughs> this, this is upsetting to me. Strange, as weird. He's orbiting the Earth. How come in 1986 I could no longer see <laughs> as <laughs> orbiting the Earth? Yeah, right. <laughs> I can do it's whatever like I want. I am Superman. I'm orbiting the Earth. By the way, it's six in the morning. I'm going to go up on my pervert orbit. Hmm. By the hmm. way, thanks Superman for helping out Chernobyl. You definitely could have fixed this whole thing. <laughs> right? Could you just scooped up a big pile and of boron into and space. dumped it right on there? Yeah, just picked the whole thing up and flown into space. It's fine. There you go. <laughs> so again, uh, what what all disasters truly come down to, the truth is exposed, is Superman failed to really fix this. What a fuck up. <laughs> you had all the power. Any, any chance to take a shot at Superman, I guess. But no, uh, <laughs> we do meet these three lads, Bacho Pavel and uh, Garo, and he makes Garo. it clear they're going to be killing pets and then drinking. And drink and drink as I much like, as you want. I like how he says that because like, you're going to need to. And <laughs> exactly. um, I love the rules. Don't point a gun at me and don't let an animal suffer or I will kill you. That's it. That And you know he fucking means it. Mm, yeah. I, was concerned <laughs> I, I love how he says right I've killed a lot of people. <laughs> I yeah. mean it when I tell you this. Right. <laughs> um, and then just the little things you don't think about when you when you're watching this, but the whistling for them. Oh, dude. And they just come bombing because they're cool people. Yeah. Oh, trustworthy human beings. Definitely the providers of food in bowls. And these guys just wasting them, man. And um, I I love when Pavel tries to get the dog to go. Yeah. He tries to just go. But he has that first, you know, it's not dead and clearly suffering. And that's when Bacho comes over and reminds him menacingly, do not let them suffer. And uh, later they drink and eat. But they're not done. And I like that we see that. I'm glad that we got to see that this was a project that took time. Um, it, it makes you feel the weight of it emotionally, right? Oh, absolutely. That it's just ongoing. This is not some one-day thing. It doesn't wrap up. Like This is just going to be a continual slog. Mm-hmm. Just like Legasov warned. This is going to be... you know. And I think that's one of the interesting things about Legasov's situation and all this. We've talked about it before of... God, being the person with real knowledge of the effects of radiation in this is just such a burden because you can't let anybody have their little victories like we were talking about of like, right. hey, we got the water pumped out, hooray. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's still like a thousand more things we got to deal. Like this is, wow, we are still at the beginning of the problems. And and he's he just having to be the bearer of bad news all the time. That Like, yeah, cool, we've got the situation at the power plant <laughs> somewhat under control. We're also going to have to kill every animal for a thousand square miles, guys. We're going to have to do that fucking door to door. Like It's just so many people involved in the, in the cleanup of this mess. It's a mess. It's unbelievable, man. 
Um, Bacho recalls killing a man in Afghanistan. Well, that's it, Bacho. You put a bullet in someone. You're not you anymore. You'll never be you again. But then you wake up the next morning and you're still you. You realize that was you all along. You just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Everybody capable of it. Everybody. Love it. Excellent. Very, very good. I'm sure he's I love not, it. I'm sure many people have thought the very same thing. And uh, yeah, that's that's a that's an intense moment. I like again. This is the stuff. This is the stuff that is interesting. This is the stuff that makes good storytelling. Right. Right. And I, and I, again, the way he presents it, it's it's interesting that we get him talking about this after Pavel has had his first time of having to shoot one of the dogs and even not being able to finish it. And it was this horrible experience. Or a and whole Pavel day of it. I, well, you get the impression oh, yeah. Pavel is a little a little more. Um, disconnected as it were oh totally yeah but i mean it's like for us as the viewer it's like we see him go through that and sure. then we get to see them at, you know at lunch and pavel tells him that story and he just tells him essentially how underwhelming it was that it was like i we were going through a house and suddenly a man was there and i shot him in the stomach and that was it and he's like that's that's a real war story that's not what, like what it looks like in movies it was just awful and i was so scared and pull the trigger the rest of the day that's mm. that like there there's no more story to that story it's just a sad, gross, awful thing that I had to do. It's life. It's, that's the that's life that. he was in, right? And like and you know those words ring way more true to Pavel now. Like he might not have fully understood that before. Sure, sure. And Garo says, our goal is the happiness of all mankind, right? I guess he's reading the banner on the building. He is, yeah. That <laughs> dilapidated banner hanging down. Yeah. Dude, I love Bacho's response to that. He goes, what? And he goes, the happiness of all mankind. And he points at it and they both, they all kind of look up at the banner and he just goes, yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy every day. So funny. And you know, I fucking actually believe him too. I think he genuinely means like, I'm alive, so I'm happy. Fuck. <laughs> I've seen how quickly that goes away. It's funny. Happy every day I'm alive. Uh, later, the pet apocalypse continues. Pavel uh, is uh, starting to become sort of uh, accustomed to his new job as much as he can be. And uh, that is, of course, until he goes door to door. And it's like a puppy central and oh, fortunately, Bacho relieves him of this duty out of kindness, out of mercy or something. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Spare him a little bit. <laughs> Miss Carrot in the chat. I'm trying to eat this irradiated summer sausage. Holy shit, did it not look like uh, like kielbasa from like the thing at the grocery store? It looked just like it. <laughs> That's a really funny <laughs> <True>. point. <laughs> oh, God. But, but um, yeah. It, 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 the brutal brutality continues with the with the... The, the truckload of sh- animals they just dump in the grave and cement over. Christ. Yeah, man. Uh, and and he, it, as awful as it is, and as we've already been talking about, like they, they got to keep in mind like the goal of all of this was twofold. For one, the big danger, the, like, the, uh, the potential continual danger of leaving all these animals out there is that they could still scatter and spread. And migrate. You know, and migrate out of the exclusion zone and start irradiating other things. I mean, even imagine if I, there was a pack of dogs that got out of here and all, you know, ended up dying and are falling into a water supply or rotting by a water supply and, like, that just starts to irradiate it. Like, you have all of these now thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of potentially, you know, infectious variables <laughs> that could just get out at any time. Uh, so it's like, that's that's the the danger of them being there. But there is also the mercy of a lot of them are probably just going to grow very sick and oh, be in a lot of will. pain. They yeah, all will, yeah. Uh, and, and be in horribly suffering and in pain far worse than just, you know, a one shot. Right. 
So sure. as, as awful as it is, as it must be to do this, it's like that would, you've got to think that's what he's keeping in mind as he goes about it. Of like, it'd be worse without it. Right. Suffer more on their own. Right. For sure. Um, there's no, you know, it, there's no, <laughs> this is the, this, this kind of goes back to some of the stuff I was talking about earlier, you know, in, in the wild, which let's be real, they are now animals of the wild. There is no merciful death, right? It's, it's really, no. that's the stuff people don't really want to talk about when they scream at a hunter for taking down a, you know, a 10 year old buck is that, oh, for true. For you know, sure. that, that buck is going to get eaten asshole first by a coyote when it breaks its leg. That that's happening. And it's going to scream for an hour as it's getting devoured. So oh, yeah. there's, it doesn't go lay down under the fawn tree and just go to sleep. Like that doesn't happen, man. And no. uh, that's, that's the shit nobody ever wants to talk about with stuff like that. It's uh, it, it, it's weird, man. It's a weird thing. You know, it, it, it's funny when you juxtapose this against these poor bastards that are, are just in horrific pain and can't, and can't do anything about it. The, the, the men I'm talking about, the first responders, like you don't think some of those guys wish they could just end their lives. It, it's interesting that we have this, we can be the higher intelligent primates here and, and allow mercy for these animals, but not for our fellow man who are literally flayed open like they've been tortured by the fucking Boltons just laying there with their skin, just, I mean, bubbling away. There's no... Do you know what I'm saying? There's no, oh, yeah. um, it, it's really uh, brutal. It's, it's just weird. You, you think on the one hand, you're like the animals kind of got off easier than the first responders who sort of had to die horribly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird, man. It's, it's, it's a true. really it's, we're, it, we're a weird species. Well, it's that weird paradoxical thing of like, we, we place so much moral singular value on human life, which I would argue is 95% of the time a very good thing, but at times that leads to a, more of our suffering because like, no, we can't end a human life. We can't do that. Like, do you want to know my completely into human life? Here's my, com- and you know where that comes from? Uh, my, here's my complete and utter, now I'm going to tell you right now, zero researched, <laughs> total spitball theory here that's based on absolutely nothing other than it sounds good to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say it irresponsibly and throw it out there because I'm a podcaster and that's what we do. <laughs> I think it's based in puritanical suicides of sin, like men- mentality. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, you've got to think that's a big part of it because, because suicide in Japan was like, yeah, that's honorable. I'm going to stab myself in the gut. Yeah. I mean, I know we're talking about a very small subculture and a, in a very specific time which probably didn't go down like we thought it did in Japanese history in the feudal days. But do you know what I'm saying? There's no, a, yeah. the, 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 you know, it wasn't like, oh, you're gonna, you're going to hell, samurai. They're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that means. <laughs> huh? This is the honorable thing to do. This is the only way to restore honor is actually to kill myself, right? So I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'm just kind of saying it irresponsibly because it's fun. So <laughs> you don't have to send me any dissertations or emails. So I don't really care if I'm right or wrong. I just like having a, just, I like just saying bullshit. So there you go. <laughs> But that's my theory. I'm throwing it out there, Matt. Yeah, well, because, theory. you know, people go overseas to get, like, humane, like, euthanasia for people, right? Don't they go oh, other yeah. places? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Thank God, knock on wood, fuck. But, um, <laughs> right. It definitely yeah. happens, though. Yeah, I know for sure. You hear stories about it. Also, shooting moving dogs? What are you guys doing? I guess they'd rather not yeah. fucking look at it in the eyes as it's sitting there. That's That's a different thing, but it's... That's almost like you're doing yourself a favor by hitting him on the run in the tall grass. <laughs> you don't have to look at his oh, face. Right. <laughs> oh, true. Oh, man. Look yonder. 
But I feel so bad about that as well. Of like, well, I hope I got a good shot on him. (laughs) I hope that was a life ending shot, not just I took out your back legs and you're Mm. just bleeding to death. Yeah. 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 It's intense. So intense. Wow. A lot of heavy themes this week, Matt. Dude, yeah. And then God, that the scene of them just dumping the dump truck of of animal corpses, pouring concrete over it, just like they had to do for the firefighters. Yeah, man. Holy shit. And dude, one of my, my favorite shots of this entire episode is when they're marching back at dusk at night, the three of them, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like walking by these pillars and it kind of frames each of them against the sky as they're walking by. And they just look, they, even though they're walking together, they look like very alone, each of them like in their own minds. Like, ah, oh, it's such a good shot. Fucking love that shot. Couldn't find that shot. I wanted to get that picture for our posts, but I couldn't find it. Um, um, we're being asked, do you think those guys had pets later in life? And my response was, is if they were pet people to begin with, probably, you know, I think, I think so. I don't think it would shy them yeah. away from it. Um, hell, if anything, it might make you want to like atone. You're like, I gotta like get a bunch of cats and a couple of dogs and treat them real good. <laughs> after this. <laughs> maybe you're really right. just hug on them and love them. Yeah. Maybe you're right about that. Ugh. Fuck, that would probably be my reaction if I had to do that. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go out and do this. And then I'm going to fucking start a like rescue dog farm <laughs> after this and be, be really sweet to animals for the rest of my life. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that sort of wraps up the, the soldier piece this week, the, the liquidation, as it were. Ooh, God. Well, dude, also, I know... <laughs> I mean, I guess it looks good on paperwork, but what a fucking bureaucratic ass word for this liquidation. Yes, we're just liquidating the assets of this, <laughs> of, of this town. Liquidation? Wow, sounds prosperous. I'm in. Where's the money? <laughs> oh, I get I half got, off? Oh, wow, I got $11 in vodka. <laughs> and I got to go fucking stomp on kittens. Ah, shit. <laughs> and that's this, real. This is suckier Pro- than it was. Probably, probably shit vodka. Even though I get it, it's theirs, but come on. <laughs> I that's, mean, that, whatever they're buying by that, the fucking barrel load exactly. to, to give to all these guys, you know that shit ain't that like fucking yummy. Commie vodka is not no good. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, uh, let's bust through this core plot, shall we? Ooh, yeah. Why is the core still exposed? Well, Funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. this roof situation, man. Do you want to talk about the killing of the cow? I mean, that's the opening incident that sort of sets the stage. That is, yeah. I mean, that's the opening scene. Very removed from everything else, but it's a nice tone setter of, mm-hmm. you know. And dude, I mean, this is a fucking badass old babushka. This yeah, guy you fucking rules. You lady, this lady, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, she's just like, I've seen all this shit. You're not the first soldier to stand here with a gun. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's like, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> you she's ain't like, making me move. She's like, bro, I'm 82. By the time the yeah. cancer rolls in, I'll be long dead. And see, honestly, that's what I kept thinking. I'm like, if you, if somebody was like 85, 80 something in this range, I, I feel like they should be presented with the, they should be the only people given the option. Like, do you want to stay? I mean, by the time it catches up with you, yeah, you'd probably be going anyways. <laughs> like, you can, hey, you get a pass. Like, fuck, really? You're going to make this 82-year-old lady march out of her place and go, right. what, to some shitty apartment in Moscow? Like, fuck. Fuck that shit, dude. This lady rules. Oh, yeah. I've seen boys in lines <laughs> telling us to leave. <laughs> so fucking good. My, uh, now- so my, my grandmother, I've mentioned her before, RIP, on my mother's side, she grew up on a dairy farm. 
And they did a lot of hand milking. And uh, boy, yeah, that's some work, dude. I was 13 years old and she could still beat me in arm wrestling. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) 14 still beat me. I was a fucking freshman, dude. I didn't tell anybody. (laughs) My grandma's whipping my ass. (laughs) Dude. No holds barred. A vice grip. Vice grip. Oh yeah. From doing that shit all day long, all day, all day, all day. (laughs) Fuck. And this is evidently a true story. This was, there was an, uh, a firsthand account of an you know, old lady who was told to leave like this and the soldier just started dumping her milk out and then she would just pick up the bucket and start milking again and he would do <laughs> it again and she was just like, I I'm not going to stop. Like, not budging. Right. That's just some old, hardcore Russian shit. We have been through a ton. Like, that, I like that's what she kind of lays out and it kind of comes back more so with the general of like, just a history of upheaval and, and chaos mm-hmm. and trauma. There's just been tons and tons of it. Like, you're not going to scare me by saying something bad's happening. Run. She's like, yeah, I've gotten that message like 30 times throughout my life. <laughs> like, whoop shit. She's like, you're awesome. going to tell me I have to run away from this thing I can't even see? Nah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking blame her. <laughs> really? And then but, he wastes uh, the cow. So brutal. <laughs> fucking Fuck. douche. Such a shit. Oh, man. Just leave her alone, dude. Is she going to go irradiate people? Right. What, is she distributing all that milk to Moscow? Like, come on, man. Is she (laughs) a real threat to national security? But that just goes to show you sort of like the layout, the lay of the land, which is this guy cannot risk this in any way coming back on him because he will be punished. Punished. (laughs) Ostracize him. Yeah, so. But anyway, back to the core stuff. Uh, cell exposure can't get close. The debris on the roof is graphite from the core. Until we can push it off the roof, Matthew, back into the reactor, it will kill anyone who gets near it. The roof has three levels. I'm going to tell you about them. Number one, Katya, 1,000 Röntgen per hour, okay? Then you have Nina, 2,000 Röntgen per hour. And then you have the real bitch, Masha. Oh, yeah. Nobody oh likes Masha at the party. <laughs> that bitch is going 12,000 an hour, which, by the way, means exactly this. That if you're in full gear, Matthew, even with lead covering your balls, two <laughs> minutes, your life is cut in half. Three, you're dead in months. Crazy, man. Ugh. Even with full protective gear, he says. Yeah. So they, start, so they start talking robots. Of course, this is uh, Sherbina and... Uh, Legasov, or two kind of main guys here we're, we care about in our in our guy. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, I am a respected Soviet general now. Though I sound very Soviet, Lord, dear God, my forsaken my family. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love this dude though. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. But uh, yeah, they're all they're all kind of talking and. Um, they start talking about robots, Matthew. Robots, robots could be the answer, couldn't they? So they oh, think. Yeah. And that's when they say, well, wait a minute. What if, hear me out, what if a lunar rover? And that's when Legasov says, well, here's the deal. You might be able to get away with that on roof one and two, but on roof three, you have a problem because the gamma radiation alone from 12,000 Röntgen per hour is going to shred circuitry and burn microchips. And if it's anything more complicated than light switch, it's dead. Yep. Fried out. That is awesome. Again, 
the destructive power of radiation, Matthew. It's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Penetrates Ralph, everything. Ralph Innocent. Is the, the, the general's name is Tarakanov. 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 Sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> exactly. The Tarakanov would hunt by motion only. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't move, the Tarakanov can't see us. <laughs> And for our latest exhibit at Jurassic Park, the Tarakanov. Ooh. <laughs> it just pops out of the bushes. All about you, both. It's wearing that old Russian hat, man, that old red hat. <laughs> Goofy. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> well, but, I love um, this scene where they finally get the rover actually moving up on, you know, this is the, the first roof. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Nina that they're on right now. The, I like Sherbina's quote, though, where he says, the piece of roof is the most dangerous place on Earth. Oof. So fucking real, though. Yowza. Eesh. But again, this is another one of those times where it's a small victory. This one actually works. They're able to start pushing, you know, the graphite off of the roof and down back into the core. Yeah, Sherbina uh, yeah. laughs. He's like, wow, it's moving. Great. He smiles. The rover's going to work. Dude, he we looks also, over, I love that moment when it does work. He looks over at the glass off and he's like, what is that? A smile? Yeah, yeah. Fucking gives him really a big good. old hug. Like finally once in this horrible fucking nine months we've been doing this shit. And finally also, smiles. they're going to get that sweet robot from the West Germans. By the way, not those commie East Germans. They're going to no, get that the capitalist built West German robot. <laughs> Take that, you fucking commies. <laughs> I love how he's like, it was an awkward conversation, but we got the robot. <laughs> awesome, 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 awesome. But um, so, yeah, we see on the roof, it's working. And then um, we learn this is a German police robot named yeah. Joker. How cool is that? Well, no, that's, no, that's the one later. That's the one they, yeah, they later, first after they deploy on Masha. Yeah. Right. Joker. Joker. German oh, police robot. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. And um, like, I love Sherbina. She says, Germans. Germans. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking guy, he knows, he knows what's up with that mechanized infantry. <laughs> he knows what's up. Fucking half tracks. <laughs> sort of imagine the fucking phone call Sherbina had to have. Like, Sorry for flattening Berlin in World War II, but uh, can we get some cool robots from you guys? That would be so tight. Thanks for killing so many of our people. Can you throw us a robot? That would be awesome. Thanks for Stalingrad. <laughs> Perhaps uh, you should talk to your man Stalin about that, yeah. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, it. Uh, I love this. I love. <laughs> it just dies instantly, instantly, instant death. Which another crazy, an interesting fact from a uh, Mason's podcast. He talked about how they didn't actually. They like when they got it onto the roof, it got stuck immediately, and they had to send guys up there even before the the bio robot the thing. They sent guys up there to attach a winch to it so they could pull it off of some rubble and get it unstuck. So three guys had to get exposed just to get Joker, you know, quote unquote, working again. And then, like, as we see in the show, the moment they actually get it turned on. It lasts like what nine seconds and just fries mm-hmm. out. That's and, it. Fucking done. And Sherbina loses his mind. I 
love Me the too. righteous fury <laughs> that and comes from it, Trevita. It's so great because of the reason why. Because they, first of all, they're fucking Germans. They could have made it to where it doesn't die. Okay? Right. They know how a to little, do this shit. That's their fucking, they're the, man. Listen, World Wars, soccer, and machines. <laughs> they're pretty that's good it. at it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> in 2018, they didn't have a great showing at the World Cup, but they did pretty good in 2014. So yeah, uh, yeah, man, He the official position of the state that a global nuclear catastrophe was not possible in the Soviet Union. They told the Germans that the highest detected level of radiation was 2000 Röntgen, right? So the Germans put that into little computer brains and they go, okay, cool, then this robot will be just fine. No, 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 12,000. Fuck, man. And that's what's so disgusting about it, which is obviously why Sherbina is so fucking pissed off, is that it, it's purely a thing of pride. They didn't want to admit how bad the situation was. I mean, and like we said, it's like they probably, if they were honest, like, all right, look, this situation's really bad. This is the most radioactive roof, uh, the, you know, that it's 12,000 Röntgen per hour. They could go, oh, well, that's a lot worse, but I think we can maybe engineer or modify this thing to handle that. Let us get back to you mm-hmm. and maybe fucking figure it out. But instead, they do the prideful thing of being like, oh, no, it's, it's just this and whatever you have will be fine. You know, to not look needy <laughs> as a state, mm. and it fucking wastes all their time. It wastes, and, and like as we've established, I think this is another really cool thing. Just narratively, we've established, especially between Sherbina and Legasov, who now understand the gravity of the situation and all the the things that need to be done and how much radioactivity is pouring out every hour. And so even when there are times where it's like, okay, I can't, we can't tackle this problem head on right now. We're going to have to engineer a solution and work on it. You know that while you're planning and while you're engineering the solution to this problem, that's just that much more radiation pouring out every hour on the clock constantly. And so to waste time like this is just fucking Brutal. crazy like it's just like people probably there are people who probably got cancer who wouldn't have if you had gotten this shit done faster like no shit. but you wasted our time, wasted it, our time. It, over a fucking lie for your hollow pride and that's why he's like yeah i fucking tell those geniuses what they fucking did yeah like, well they again it's it was the the, the western world was didn't they wanted you guys the, the Soviets wanted to make it very clear that this whole like communism thing was going to be just fine in any <laughs> dent at all that the Western world caught wind of would of course use their advantage politically, which of course they would. But at the same time was also the Russians not wanting to admit that there's some problems here. <laughs> like we, there's all this pride in this thing. And, uh, and man, when it would get dented up, it was, a, it was like, nope. Nobody needs to know anything. It, it's so much, so much of the secrecy is important. But man, Absolutely. he goes off on that phone call. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Just fucking tell it's been everyone, a long time tell coming, Gorbachev. Right? Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> been pent up, smashes that phone to just bits, <laughs> drags it outside. Need yeah, a new man. phone. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, fuck. The robot was never going to work, right? But later, they discuss the option of not covering the roof, and Legasov says that this, this is not an option. They need to build a cover over to contain the double Hiroshima levels of radiation that are now pumping out of it. Double Hiroshima. They discuss lead and maybe pouring lead over it, but that'd be too heavy for the helicopters. They discuss firing graphite into it. Of course, Sherbina gets a laugh out of this. 
Yeah, these were evidently all actual ideas tossed out there. Like, we can fire explosive bullets and knock pieces of it off. Right. None of it. None of it made sense because, I mean, the the other thing you got to remember is, like, if you shatter this graphite with an explosion or whatever and it turns into dust and it gets caught by the wind, you're like, well, there you go. You just sent out even more fucking (laughs) radiation. Like, there's no good way of handling this shit. Right. Unless you get in there close. That's Um, that's the, the conclusion they come to. Absolutely. Uh, Scott in the chat asks, do you think people would have been saved if they enlisted the West for help? It's a really good question, Scott, and one that's really difficult to answer because you don't really know. But here's what I think is probably difficult to debate. They would have had more options. Right. You just have more resources, more help. More resources, more options, more technology. Um, right. You know, I don't think anybody in the world, kind of like they, they point out at the beginning of the show, like this has, has was a disaster that had never happened before. Like this kind of nuclear sure. exposure. Like nobody had a just game plan ready to go on this. Like there was no country that would be like, oh yeah, we know exactly how to handle that exact situation. Nobody had that knowledge. But yeah, I think enlisting just more resources and help can never hurt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, especially countries that were technologically way ahead of the Soviets right. in 86, you know. There you go. But, um, and, and yeah, that's the thing. Like you, so much of the Soviet Union is just being rebuilt. I mean, they lost a generation of men. Ugh, that you, so you, you, the setback from World War II is just, uh, people, that's a thing that's really hard to wrap your head around is that you're like, oh, so many people. Like that's, it's crazy, right? Obviously you don't, nobody, nobody, uh, nobody says 6 million Jews isn't a lot of people unless you're a fucking crazy person. <laughs> but but a lot of times you don't hear people say twenty million Russians. Yeah, and people don't talk about that a lot. That's a that's a lot. A that's that's three lot. times more than six million. So you're talking about you're talking about giant swaths cut into the productivity in in your culture. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It totally changed the face of your absolutely country's culture, yeah. uh, dude. It's insane. There's three hundred million some odd in America now. Twenty million of that would be a lot now. Oh, yeah. Think about it then. Oof. Jesus Christ, man. Crazy. Boy, that, that tough old lady at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. That's all it makes me think of. She's <laughs> like, fuck your bullshit. <laughs> I've seen so many people die. <laughs> awesome. Hardcore. Love it. She's a person that like, she's like one of those hardcore ladies. Like the guys come back. She's like helping them scrub down for radiation. She doesn't even care. They're all shy, taking their clothes off. She's like, what, you don't think I've seen dick before? <laughs> I've scrubbed a dick or two. Shit, call that a dick, please. <laughs> Lift up, scrubbing her knees. She doesn't give a shit, man. She'd do anything. <laughs> Scooping up puke with her hands. She's like, I'm kidding. <laughs> Fuck, she'd probably take the Tough rifle as- from Pavel and blow that dog's brains out <laughs> without hesitation. She's like, give me this. <laughs> oh, it's still alive? Fucking rifle bash head. <laughs> Jesus, lady. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It'd be funny. Like, you could just make this a dumb skit. Like, you know, the guy shoots. It's just how tough she is. The guy shoots the cow. She's like, okay. Just guts the cow. Starts fucking preparing it and butchers it right there for a fucking meal later. <laughs> just you know dresses I mean? it. Yeah. Done. <laughs> I don't care. Like, what is going on in this goofy show? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But no, they, uh, yeah, this roof stuff is crazy. And that's when they scoff at the idea of Americans. <laughs> nah. They're not going to give it to us. And Legasov even if they says, would, the Central Committee wouldn't stoop to ask. Nope. But uh, so so instead, let's sacrifice these men. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hey, God, man. Not saying that it wasn't going to happen anyway. But um, 
the guest off produce, pr- proposes the bio robots, bio robots, right? That's it. Well, again, another very bureaucratic, bureaucratically clean sounding term for guys in suits who will absolutely be in danger. <laughs> Fuck. Dude, so crazy. But dude, and, yeah, uh, many men arrive later, about, right? <laughs> What's up? Many men arrive. Many men. 3,000, I think 3,528 was the total number that it took <laughs> to finally clear all of this shit. Right. Good God. And the crazy part about it, too, uh, another fact that from uh, Mason's podcast where he's talking about the reason those lead like tunics that they're wearing and things like that look so janky and kind of wrinkly and foiled, it's because it is actual lead ripped off from other pieces from other areas of the, the power factory. That, uh, that's like they, they had to harvest lead to make their own armor for this shit because they didn't have enough. Yeah, that's intense, man. So intense. They're like a Mad Max fucking suited up to go out here and just the as you know, Tartikov already said, the most dangerous place on earth. <laughs> the Soviet people have had enough of this accident. Oh, have they? Really? <laughs> Must be nice being in Moscow. <laughs> they want us to right? clean this up. We have entrusted you with a serious task. Because of the nature of the working area, you will each have no more than ninety seconds to solve this problem, Mr. Anderson. So listen carefully to my instructions. And do exactly as you have been told. This is for your own safety and the safety of your comrades, Matthew. Right? Oh, you yeah. will enter the reactor building. Number three, climb the stairs, but do not immediately proceed to the roof. When you get to the top, wait inside behind the entrance to the roof and catch your breath. Because you're going to need it for what comes next. This is the working area. We must clear the graphite. Someone in this block weighing approximately 40, 50 kilos, dude. They must all be thrown over the edge here. Watch your comrades moving fast from this opening. And uh, then turning to the left and entering into the workspace here, they show the little video. Take care not to stumble. There's a hole in the roof. Take care not to fall. (laughs) You will need to move quickly and you will need to move carefully. What's crazy too is that evidently there was, I think, uh, some audio recordings of Tarakanov saying this. Like this is basically word for word what he was saying to these guys, and he was saying it to every group over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just this, it almost became like a, a one guy described it as it was like a prayer. Like everybody, yeah. you know, fucking paid attention, and this is the the recited thing that you had to know because this ninety seconds up here is your lifetime limit of exposure to radiation. Cut your half, life. Your life and they're saying at two minutes you're cut it's cut in half so well let's right, just right. say it's cut in half for these guys they're they're they their half life is 40 i mean right right i mean they whatever it's gonna be you've, you've taken a couple decades off just by doing this it's crazy man oh man it's so intense and so intense this do not look fucking, over the rail right yeah because that's that's putting your head right over the fucking core that's still just pumping us straight up into the air your eyeballs just you go blind immediately oh god oh i can't even imagine but dude this what a fucking sequence and I, I think in a way it's almost obvious like well yeah if you have the opportunity to you know these guys are can only be out there for 90 seconds that was how it really happened what a obvious opportunity to stay with a crew for the full 90 seconds. Yeah. But again, the way they treat it in this, you know, this one shot, this one continuous take, um, it, it makes it again, feel like a horror movie. Like the clock is fucking ticking. You, you can't see the danger, but each and every second you're out here, you're just soaking up more, soaking up more. Every, every delay is, is chipping off pieces of your future life. That yeah. is so intense, man. Yeah. 
And, and also what I love about this sequence as well is when it's all over and said and done with, and you see these guys come back in, you're like, what did they even do? They got like three pieces of it over. Barely. <laughs> Maybe. And you're like, that, it feels like they did nothing. And, and that's it. That, that's the most that what a crew can accomplish at a time. A couple pieces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. These guys are working like fucking union guys. Like, let's go, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, come on, lazy schlobs. Fucking losers. <laughs> Joking, of course. On the roof, getting smashed by radiation is a pretty good excuse. Plus, the visibility is terrible in those outfits. But yeah, that shit's heavy. 40 kilos, 50 kilos. That's, you know, double that in poundage. 2.2, you know, times 2.2. And that's your poundage. That's why right. one of those pieces, <clears throat> they, they must be just so dense. Oh, so dense. Yeah. And I mean, and I love too, just the confusion of having to, you're these guys and you go out there and you know your time is so sharply limited and you're like, okay, which is graphite? Like some of this is just fucking random rubble and just rocks and concrete. And you're like, I got to find the graphite. That's what matters. And and having to look around and make sure you're not wasting your time on something that isn't crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. Crazy. The the mix of the concrete kind of makes us difficult. Right. But the alarm, the clanging, the guy stumbling, of course, a little little bit of uh, dramatic tension here. He gets his foot caught for a second, rips his boot. Dude, it makes you wonder what that foot's going to look like in like two weeks. Oh, boy. Oh, God. You are done, comrade. (laughs) Or comrade soldier or something. You are done. I don't remember what he says, but. Yeah, that's all he says. On to the next crew. They're already ready and waiting. Uh, also, I just want to comment that the sound editing is excellent. The dosimeters are being used to great effect to supplement oh, yeah. the already awesome uh, ambient score. <clears throat> totally. Really slick to do that. It's, uh, I like when a, when a film will take a, a sound effect and uh, match it to the score for dramatic purpose, as long as it's not too corny. I think it works really well, and I think they do a good job here. The dosimeters, it, you know what it reminds me of? It, it, it reminds me of something that always sat with me when I was a little kid, <clears throat> which was the sound of the tracker in Aliens. Yes. That, oh. When they would hit the tracker, and I remember because I saw the movie so young, and it freaked me out, but that just that that steady tap sounds like that. And you're like, oh God, please don't make that whiny noise. That means there's motion, you know? Uh, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's told he's done. And um and that's it. They they are they are they're done. They've done their task. Yep. On to the next crew. On to the next crew. Uh, that takes us to the comic plot line, which is gonna line up with the end of the episode here. So not much here other than we see her uh, trying to get access in a library to a permissions documents only. Wow. Boy. No <laughs> constitution over there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't think the Freedom of Information Act is going to fly there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Kamiak goes to see Dyatlov, and uh, he ends up, she ends up getting one of the documents, right? But he looks a little bit better, but I'm always like, is this the fake better? He's just the one before you die better shit. <laughs> well, this, <clears throat> at this point, it's been months. Yeah, so he, yeah. he is actually, you know, recovering. He still looks, you know, he looks aged He's from fucked. this experience. Let's I mean, it's real. definitely done Your some boy was in the control room, so. Oh, yeah. But um, she wants to know if the reactor exploded after they attempted to shut it down. The Alpha Z5 button. Dyatlov gets cute and says, how do I know it ever exploded? And that's when she drops <laughs> the pictures on him. And um, That's so good. Yeah, she says the authors uh, had redacted some of this paperwork. Two pages were missing. However, they did not redact the table of contents. 
And she says the missing pages refer to positive void coefficient at alpha Z5. Positive void coefficient, Matthew. Um, that is some, uh, some, some physics shit I don't quite understand, chemistry. But um, there's this video I told you about. Um, if you start Googling how did Chernobyl explode, there's a Scottish guy with about a 27-minute video, and he gets into all of this, and it's really good. I highly recommend it. And uh, he breaks this thing down pretty extensively. It's got 800,000 views already. He released it, released it June 9th, which is hilarious. All these nerd guys are like, oh, now's my chance. Because oh, everyone's going to be Googling this shit. <laughs> Finally, I got RBMK reactor knowledge. It's going to be hot commodity. <laughs> right, man? So crazy. You never know. That's what I'm saying. But um, <laughs> so um, she tells the old cantankerous Dyatlov that she isn't there to blame him for anything because he's getting very defensive and that um, she's likely his best chance to avoid the bullet. A lot of bullet talk this week. Yeah. Oof. And uh, we learn that void coefficients have nothing to do with the Alpha Z5s. At least that's according to Dyatlov. And he beats, he says, get out of here, beat it. And uh, he mm. says, you think, this is a great quote, you think the oh, right yeah. question will get you the truth. There is no truth. Ask the bosses whatever you want. You'll get no truth and I'll get a bullet. <laughs> You're going to get the same lies as mm. no truth. Yep. Um, and this is sort of the end of the episode here where... Um, uh, Kamiak meets with Sherbina and Legasov. Dyatlov's going to put on trial, we learn. Brukhanov and Fomin are going to be giving expert, hilarious, tes- <laughs> testimony. Uh, Legasov is going to Vienna by order of the Central Committee to the Atomic Energy Agency, Matthew, where he's going to tell the world what happened. And Kamiak says, well, then you'd better know what happened. Oof, love that. <laughs> gives, uh, she gives uh, him her work, all documented, she says. Uh, yeah. She says, plenty of gross incompetence, but she's not quite sure about the explosion. She thinks the answers are on these missing pages, and that's when Legasov drops a bomb. I've seen this before. He knows it. He knows the possibility of the AZ5 button. Yes. But <clears throat> he, he essentially, I mean, basically the problem boils down to that button is supposed to kill the power. It's supposed to bring the power levels, the actual electricity levels in the core down. I think it's uh, a control rod <clears throat> thing. It, it, right. You, you hit the button and the control rods go into the, into the tank and it mm-hmm. kills all the reactions. Right. And that's the thing. So like when the control rods are removed, that's when the reactivity is, is up and Correct. going higher. And when you want to bring that back down, you plunge the control rods made of boron back down. Uh, but this is where Legasov brings up the point that the problem with that, you know, it's an obscure problem, but it obviously can happen, is that when you're lowering, if you completely remove the control rods where they're completely taken out of the core, and when you put them back in, the first thing that enters the core isn't boron, it's graphite, because they have graphite tips on there. And for just a second, the reactivity goes through the roof. Right. And if your if your power levels were already too high before that, and you try to bring them down by putting the rods back in, if they'd already been completely out, and the first thing that happens is that graphite touches, the reactivity is just you know made out of control. There's a spike. And part of the problem with this, and this is what I was hearing when I was watching that video, and I'm not going to remember this, and I didn't take any notes, but I'm going to try to like brute force my way through it. Is basically what he was saying, and, and um, he, he, this this Scottish fellow, he was saying that what happens is, and, and if you go back and watch the first episode, you can piece this together too, which is kind of neat. But he was saying that part of the problem was that the reactor itself was in a low power setting. That's what they're talking about here in this episode about stalling the reactor. 
in in the control rod situation is fine normally. Even if you take them all the way and put them all the way back in, it's not a problem. But it was a problem because of the reactor state at the time, which exactly. I, which was this real low power draw. And um, the guy was talking a lot about that. He was talking about the importance of that and and um, and how that mattered in terms of making sure um, that it could stay cool because that was the other thing. You you the the point was if we hit this button, the control rods go in. We start really we start really controlling and impacting the fission. The fission just starts to stop basically over X amount of hours. But he was saying one of the problems is that if you're in a low power draw and you want to hit the control rods and they go in and they start stopping this thing, you still have a heat problem. So you need to continuously have the heat reduced by way of the water. And to get water, you need electricity. To get electricity, it's, it's, it's running off of the reactor. And he was just talking about how it's this circle of problems in much more complicated terms, mind you. But um, I really I really thought that explanation was cool. Like it, it's... It's a, it's, it's this weird situation where it's like, okay, we definitely don't want this reaction to keep occurring. So hit the button. But at this point it was low power. So they had a problem with the water. The boiling of the water was a main issue. And that's what the problem was that the water wasn't being cycled well enough because of the low power in the tank. So when the control rods went in, like you said, with the graphite on them, and then the, the water wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And it just started creating this chain reaction and it was an explosion and then a second explosion. And it was like, holy fuck, how does that happen? You know, pretty Ugh. crazy. But um, yeah, let me, you, you talk to me for a minute. Let me see if I can find that video so I can tell people to look at it. Go for it, yeah. Well, the other the interesting point brought up here where a comic is basically, basically being like, well, so it is the engineer's fault in a way because, you know, Legasov goes out of his way to say this still could not have happened unless the engineers had pushed the core to the brink of disaster. It would have to be already on the edge for this to push it over. <clears throat> but at the same time, it's not all their fault because this was known. That, that, this is the big problem here. It's not that the, it's not like Legasov and Kalmyuk discovered this you know, hidden problem that like, oh, you know, this could have always happened. We just didn't know. They did know. Legasov had a, a colleague named Volkov who wrote that report and presented it to the Kremlin. And at the <laughs> end of the day, which like what Sherbina pieces together real quick because he's a fucking party man and he knows, he's like, oh, okay, so the KGB made it a state secret and locked it away because of our reputation and how at the time, especially 10 years ago, they were trying to establish themselves as the world nuclear power and that they had, you know, dominance over that, that realm of technology and they, they were flawless in their execution of it. Can't have anything diminishing that. And so that, un, you know, that inconvenient truth of that report of, well, there, there's a possibility of this going bad, but it seems remote. Uh, we're just going to sit on it and not talk about it. Yeah. And it bit them in the ass. Indeed. Indeed. So it's called Why Chernobyl Exploded, hyphen, the real physics behind the reactor by a man named Scott Manley. Um, it is a 21-minute video. It's really good. It has some graphic stuff in it as well. And uh, it's it's pretty intense, pretty 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 wild, but he, he talks a lot about it. Um, he, he shows a demonstration, like graphically, of what the control rods look like going in, how the water wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, how the low power draw was a major problem and why the AZ-5 button didn't do what it was supposed to do and, um, and all that stuff. And he talks a lot about Xenon-135 and how that was a part of the problem leading up to the issue and 
Yeah, he just said it was just a, a really a bunch of bad circumstances. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a pretty awesome video. It's really cool to watch. I highly recommend it. 881,000 views and um, yeah, 29,000 likes, 500 dislikes. So not a bad ratio. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of other ones you can watch if you want more than one opinion on it, obviously. I'm not sure how authoritative he is, but he seems to know what he's talking about. Right. As much as, well, with as much information as he has, I guess. The internet is rife with Chernobyl explanations now. That's for yeah, sure. No shit, right? And they were, this probably had like 6,000 6, views before. <laughs> right. Now they're fucking like, wow, I just got a paycheck off my old YouTube video. What the hell? <laughs> he actually published this on June 9th. He ain't no dummy. Oh, uh, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Scottish. It helps, Lodi. I'm but authoritative. Somebody's saying he makes videos about Kerbal Space Program. I don't know what that means. Oh, he makes awesome videos, I'm being told in the chat, about videos and science. Oh. Yeah. Cool. His name's Manly. Fucking Scott. What a great name. <laughs> Scott Manly. No, not Scott, but he's just, he is a, oh, it is Scott. Scott the Scott Manly? God damn it. Shit writes itself. <laughs> the but, Scott um, Scott Manly. Yeah. This, um, you know, I know, I know, um, you know me, I'm not going to get political, but I know there's a lot of discussion around this idea of um, Chernobyl sort of, and, and I don't know, like, look, I don't know Macon. I don't know if he's doing the, I'm in Hollywood and I'm working for HBO, so I got to call, you know, administrations and all this bullshit, and warning people <laughs> about lies and deception. And I'm like, dude, lies and deception have been part of administrations for forever. Like, why do you think, why, why do you think you're making a show about Chernobyl, Right. That this this is not this is nothing new, and I think it's very important to remember that that this is the way governments will operate a lot of times. Some much more nefarious than others. We've talked about that on the first episode, and um, yeah, man, it's it's fucking crazy. It's crazy that this whole thing was swept under the rug. And right. All absolutely. of this happened. All of this happened because they wanted to suppress the information. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, there are just there are always times where. We need those reminders about these things, the continual reminder. That, that's why there are certain themes and stories that just recur, you know, they, always. And they always will for centuries. Absolutely. And the, the truth having to come to light when it's being crushed out by power is a story we're going to have to always remember and find ways to tell ourselves because it's always going to be an issue. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Power. That's the way it goes. But, um, we also have the very human element of this story that we didn't talk too much about, which is Ludmila and her empty crib. Ludmila, ooh, what a awfully sad final Jeez, shot, man. So I don't, I didn't listen to the episode, the 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 HBO official episode. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about this. But man, what a crazy thing that your baby absorbed the radiation in your body and died so, from it <clears throat> and kept you safe. Interestingly enough, and I haven't seen a ton about it, the one thing I have found is a Forbes article, and I will definitely post it on some of our, our groups after this because I do think it's interesting, uh, by a UCLA doctor who was actually, he's like a, a renowned expert on bone marrow transplantation, which is used to treat radiation victims. And he actually went to Chernobyl during the, the, the crisis and even spoke with Gorbachev who asked him to come there. And he spent two years in the Soviet Union working with people at the Biophysics and Clinical Hospital 6, I think the one that's actually in the show, the Hospital 6 in Moscow, dealing with, he said, more than 200 people with acute radiation exposure. Mm. And he actually has a problem. He's a, a, basically of any 
of any element in the show thus far, he has the biggest problem with this one. He considers it fear-mongering, actually. And I don't think, no and shit. I want to be very clear, I don't think Craig Mazin inflated this and tried to make it worse than it was and, and make up a myth. I think he just went with the narrative that they had. And from the book Voices of Chernobyl, uh, which is where he bases, you know, bases all of his information about uh, Ludmilla, because her story is one of the primary stories in that one, there is this description of her baby dying very soon after birth. But it's not clear whether it was actually radiation exposure. And this doctor basically says, he basically goes on to say, if the fetus absorbed enough radiation to be stillborn, then the mother absolutely 100% would have died from okay. this Okay, that's what He's I was going to say. That almost seems like this really, you know, I don't know, like, I don't want to call it a superpower. <laughs> But that's this weird thing, right? Like your baby's a little mutant and it just absorbs it all for you. It's like, I'll protect you. <laughs> right, right. right? And that's so, the thing so it's so weird. Like- it doesn't make any sense like that it would that that your body would be able to shunt it to the newborn. Not to mention what what is that about? Right. And that, and that's the thing. Like, you know, obviously not everybody knows all the details, and I fucking don't know all the details, but the the like embryonic sac, like the whole point of it is to protect the baby from external exposures and everything. So if it had soaked up enough radiation to penetrate through her skin, through her muscle, through her bones, all the way through the embryonic sac, and kill it through acute radiation poisoning, not like complications from other things, but acute radiation poisoning, then she absolutely would have died from that. As well. Sure, sure. Um, and so <clears throat> he's basically pointing out, like, don't jump to that conclusion. We don't fully know why that baby died, and we don't really know even fully from the book. It's something that's not fully clear. That's that's pretty fully cool. But I will definitely post that article. It is very interesting. Awesome. Well, but still, <laughs> man, sad fucking story. Her baby did yeah. die. Let's let's, let's yeah. skip that. Like her yeah. baby fucking stillborn yeah. after yeah. she lost her husband. It's fucking brutal. Of course, of course. But in our interest to pursue the truth, unlike the Soviet Union, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find that truth. But, um, but yeah, there's, uh, I got that video playing in the, in the background of the, of the guy. It's, it's cool. He's like, dropping control rods, push graphite monitoring to hotspot, making it hotter. Yep. <laughs> there we go. Yep, but yep, I still, yep. and I, I still do think um, that narratively it makes sense the way we, we show this because I, I think it's even show less up. so... Uh, like Ludmilla having you know being oh, oh, in the hospital yeah. alone, ending on that shot. I think it makes sense because the last line of dialogue before that is is uh, Komyuk being like, "It's time for someone to start telling the truth." Like that's sure. what's important right now. And when we see Ludmilla sitting there alone without the baby, I think it, obviously the tragedy there is that she's lost her husband, she's lost her child, and that's fucking horrible. But I think narratively placing that right after. Komiak talking about the truth needs to come out is that look at this woman with no power. Like mm-hmm. she has no power to get this story out, to, to make people understand what happened to her husband and her child and the complications that it could have all caused. And all of these common people are going to suffer with no ability to speak up for themselves. They're just, if anything, they'll probably, if they get spoken up, they'll be crushed down. And, and I think that's the real point yeah. that Komiak makes here is that someone needs to tell the truth because these people are not in a position to be able to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the important part of that story. Yep. And, and Sherbin has a point too, because he's like, you know, your moral conviction oh, is a little different a when you're looking at your oh. fucking sh- face shot, right? Mm-hmm. It's a cool little back and forth between the two. But, um, you know, she says basically someone's got to start telling the truth. No more lies. And uh, we get the what? final shots of the roof being clean, Pavel smoking a butt, and of course the empty crib. 
Mm-hmm. A flag being placed on top of the uh, the the tower, I guess, signaling that it's done. Yeah. yeah. But boy, howdy! I can't imagine the fucking nervousness of Lagasov in this situation. Like, <laughs> oh fuck, what do I do? What do I say? Brutal. That's unbelievable. I mean, that is that is truly like one of those do or die like you know kind of like we were talking about last week like you're a bunch of fucking bros sitting around being like what's the worst way to die this way or that way like this is another one of those like thought experiment things where you're like all right you're in this situation and you can choose to do the right thing the morally right thing the the expose the truth and and do the correct thing and be on the you know the right side of history for the sake of millions of people and you're probably gonna die for it though like uh what do you do I mean, I mean, I'm sure yep. it probably helps a little bit when you're thinking like, well, I probably only got a couple more years anyway at this point. <laughs> but still, that's a that's a brutal decision to have to look down the the barrel at. Mm, indeed, good episode, good stuff, very man. Good, really man. awesome. So Again, thought provoking as well. Show continues to impress. Whoa! Listener. Somebody, somebody in the chat, real quick, just posted an interesting fact. Uh, I can't read their name because I think it actually is in Russian. But uh, the craziest part about the flag is that it lost its color from no, all the radiation shit. soon after, and they had to plant it again. That's amazing! Yikes! <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh uh, shit! Pride will be your downfall. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> fuck. fuck the fuck the flag. Save the people. Seriously. To be the flag, <laughs> fuck appearances, fuck it, fuck it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, crazy story, man. Again, intense, very intense stuff. Uh, listener comments, Matthew. Yes, indeed. I've got one here from uh, let's see, Mister Andrew Smith. Uh, dead puppies aside, this is my favorite episode of the series. Fuck you, little Russian boy. Fuck your gun. I'm milking this cow. Fuck you, old lady. Fuck your bravery. I'm going to shoot your cow. Fuck you, you KGB. Fuck your lies. Fuck your gulags. I'm breaking this phone. Fuck you, science, with your radioactive materials. I'm going to clear this roof. It just feels more believable when we stop showing everyone that lives to suck each other off while they watch the communist takeover scene in Dr. Zhivago and start showing the types that get really pissed off just because their internal organs are turning into cranberry juice. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Awesome. Conrad Hutchins posted an image of the Joker today. Very Ooh. cool. And that, of course, can be seen on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash LSG Media fans, I believe. But um, he says, I think this really hit home because by this point, the cleanup was fully relying on poor, normal bastards having to do shitty jobs and be rewarded by vodka, it seems, with all those bottles. Shoot and bury pets, clean up a radioactive roof 90 seconds at a time, even having your life saved by a baby. It shows the sheer amount of manpower it took to start cleaning up whilst the truth remained buried as a few heroic people fought to get answers. Absolutely brutal and magnificent at the same time. Good stuff, Conrad. Very awesome. good. Yeah. I don't know if you got anybody else, but um, anything else you want to say about this before we go? Fucking damn good episode, man. <laughs> I always feel tapped at the end of these. They're so fucking yeah, draining. They are. <laughs> so, so brutal. That's why they can only uh, be so long, right? Right? But no, I'm I'm. On, I'm continually impressed by the things they choose to focus on the the elements that we dive into in each episode like yeah it's such an interesting structure that we have this focus on Sherbina and Legasov and Kamyuk and they're in every episode but in other episodes 
it's like we get different stars every time. Like we have, you know, one episode we have the stars are the miners, really. At, at the end of the day, their story is the story of that episode with other things surrounding it. In this episode, we have Pavel and Bacho and you know Garo. Like their story is a big main focus here, and I just I, I think it's such a really well balanced show. That's yes. that, as as it goes on, I'm I'm very impressed with that. It never feels out of whack. I never feel like I'm watching something that I care about less than the main story. Where I'm like, ah, let's get back to you know Sherbine. I want to hear what what's going on there. I always by the time we're going back to cutting back to other characters, other storylines, I'm ready for it. I'm never disinterested. Like it, it's just it moves at such a great pace, super well balanced. I'm just continually impressed by it, man. Me it's too. Really good. It's a great show. It's telling a pretty impressive story. Um, I like that in the beginning you brought up this idea of, you know, a disaster movie and some of the tropes and that follow it and um, how it's almost like this is like a, an actual good disaster movie because it's not fake <laughs> and it's about the right. human. It's about the human beings and that's what I like. I like I like when we strip away, you know, the um, sort of the collective identity and we start focusing on these people and the decisions they find themselves in and the things that they can do to possibly inspire the men and women around them. I find that very, uh, very human. And I like that a lot. And uh, it's definitely a tough episode to watch on many different levels. But at the same time, I think it's also uh, important to watch and important to understand it. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, and, and maybe this is something I'll say for my final thoughts in, in number five, but uh, I'm still not convinced nuclear power isn't the answer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but um, that's that's one of those like when you start looking at the statistics things, you start going, oh, okay. So, this compared to <laughs> all the other, you know, you start getting the, the death statistics and all that shit. But all that crap aside, good episode of television. I really liked it. I liked that we really got into. We I like that we really broke this up into sort of three points that we were going to focus on. Like I said, the core the cleanup crew and of course uh Kamiak's, uh sort of her great investigation you know what an interesting character again this is she her information i find interesting i find her less interesting only in that because she's not real you can see there's not i, I don't know you you she doesn't feel as developed to me she definitely feels like she was meant to feel which is a catch all for all of these people but i do like her performance right. i think she's a good actress um I like her conviction. I like uh, I like the back and forth with her and Sherbine at the end of this week's episode for sure. Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> Good shit. One more week to go for Chernobyl. And then anyone who's go. listening to this that also likes our Battlestar Galactic podcast, we will be back. We but, shall. But uh, we will see you, I believe, probably next Tuesday for Chernobyl, um, the final episode. And um, that's that. So thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, visit us on the web at LibertyStreetGeek.net. That's LibertyStreetGeek. Net. You can check out some of our membership options if you like our content. We do a lot of bonus stuff. Dude, we've been doing a lot, Matthew. We sure have. I'll tell you what, <laughs> Nate's been picking up the slack for you, buddy. He's been doing a lot <laughs> oh, of bonus slacking? <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, if you like Star Trek Next Gen, good pal Nate has been, uh, has been, he's been pushing it, man. He's into it. He's got the bug, I think. I think he's got the bug. Yeah. He's which is a lot it. of fun, so... <clears throat> All right, um, we will uh, we will talk to you guys uh, very soon. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks again for joining us in the live chats. Until then, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Goodbye.